Welcome to The Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin is narrated by Mason Fair. The Key to Carowin, Chapter 9, The Telephone Room. It was the sobbing that brought me there. Delicate and hushed, almost sweet-sounding, bordering on musical and faded, wounded but not fatally so. I went first to the girl, of course, wondering what she might be up to. The girl was just stirring in her bed when I arrived. It was not the girl who was weeping. I stand over the girl and still the crying continues interspersed with halting words. The girl rouses and sits rather unsteadily on the edge of her bed, straining to see through the darkness. She leans forward, glances toward the hallway, then stands. She does not move, she listens. A tentative step forward, then another. Then the girl is walking toward the stairs in stop-and-go steps. She cautiously makes her way down the stairs one slow step at a time. She stops at the platform where the stairway divides, one part moving forward into the telephone room and the other branching off toward the dining room. I see him then, the man from the party. He sits at a large onyx desk surrounded by black lacquered shelves the room absorbing him. A single light shines, hovering over the paper lying in front of him as he scribbles furiously on it. What will you say in your letter? His wife asks, putting a handkerchief to her eyes now and then. She issues another choked sob at the end of her question as though to punctuate it. She wears her sorrow like a mask. The idea of tragedy is nearer to her than the tragedy itself, in all of its bare truth. That he is never to return unless he has Elspeth with him, Fitzwilliam replies. His voice is the color of pain. This is all your fault, the woman moans. If you hadn't made him go to oversee the estate you purchased, he never would have taken Elspeth with him. You know I had to, the man protests, looking up from the penning of the letter. He was using our resources as if they were his own. The estate I purchased needs much setting to rights. I thought Eunan would learn the value of building something for himself if he once set to work there. Besides, he needed to go. But he didn't want to go. He said he wouldn't help those people, that they were uncivilized. He said it was dangerous and that you shouldn't be asking such a thing of him, and now he's taken our daughter to such a place. Another inspired sob and a dabbing of the eyes. She will wear out this false misery before long, and then with the wound still untreated, she will learn the value of festering despair. It's not dangerous, and the people can learn with the right sort of help. He won't do what you want, even though he went there. 
He took Elspeth to make certain you would let him return to the position he had here. I'm certain that's why he did it. Perhaps, Fitzwilliam replied, his attention returning to the letter. But he'll not be doing that without bringing Elspeth back with him. At least we can keep her safe. The man set to more decisive writing, slashing and stabbing at the paper in lieu of a true enemy. There is a skittering that ends with a bump against the girl's leg. A quiet growl erupts. The girl picks up the dog at her feet, but it continues to make its trifling noises as though it can frighten away the intruders. The creature does, in a way. The others do not notice the dog, but the scene fades, and the noise dims along with it. In a moment, all is quiet and dark. The girl left standing on the stairs in the night. The girl turns quickly and races back to her room. She holds the dog close and tunnels into her bed. She draws the blankets up over them both. She does not move again, not for a very long while. Nor did I. Listening to Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin was narrated by Mason Fair, with original music provided by Serena Fair. For more information about this and other projects, please visit shifterspress.ca. Thank you for listening.